Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP, where we discuss trends in architectural and interior design and the competing priorities or tensions that arise from integrating new ideas into existing organizations, enterprises, and institutions. This episode, Ohio Northern University, Engineering a Vision for Design, is a project story about ONU's new engineering building. We are joined by Tom Zeckman, Assistant Dean at Ohio Northern University's T.J. Small College of Engineering, and Paul Orban, Higher Education Market Leader at BHDP. After more than a decade of research, visioning, and collaboration, ONU's new facility has generated buzz as an award-winning building that has helped to increase enrollment for the College of Engineering. I'm your host, Brian Trainer, a workplace strategist for BHDP, and I'll let our guests introduce themselves further. Tom, would you tell us who you are and what you do, sir? So I'm Tom Zeckman. I'm the Assistant Dean of the College of Engineering at Ohio Northern University. We're talking about a project building that came together here in the last couple of years in a great way. And in addition to being Assistant Dean, I served as project manager for the college on the building project. Well, thank you for that, Tom. And Paul, would you introduce yourself, sir? Sure. Thanks, Brian. Paul Orban, I lead the higher education market for BHDP, and and I also was the project manager when we started this project really 11 and a half years ago and followed it all the way through as the principal in charge. 11 and a half years? That's that's almost a legacy project for you then. This is great. So thanks. The first thing I want to know is there are a lot of Ohio universities. Where is Ohio Northern University? And then, Tom, why did you decide you needed a new engineering building? (laughs) So Ohio Ohio Northern University, and some people assume it's a public school with a name like that. It's a private. It's been long affiliated with the United Methodist Church, and it is in Ada, Ohio. Not everyone knows where Ada, Ohio is, but it's about 15 miles east of Lima. We're just off of I-75, kind of northwest Ohio. And it's a university with 3,000 students. We've been around since 1870. We've been teaching engineering since 1880 and a great tradition of engineering. And Paul said he's been on the job for 11 and a half years. So I have been at Ohio Northern for 13 years. And believe it or not, we were talking about the new building the first day I started on this job in the College of Engineering. It was a long time coming, but some of that was really a benefit because we were able to really able to think through and talk through what we wanted. And basically, we were in a building that was built in 1970. It wasn't a total dinosaur, but quite frankly, you just don't teach engineering the way you did 50 years ago. And especially we just needed workspace for for projects we really didn't have it and that's that's how you teach engineering in the year 2020 it's all hands-on you don't just read a book and take a test and we wanted a workspace for our students uh, along with a number of other items and, and the building really came together i was going to ask if the building had been around since 1880 but you said 1970 so it's still 1970 yeah we we've <laughs> Gone through a series of iterations. In fact, we've got banners on the wall that show what we were in in 1900 and where we were in 1930 and 1970. It's a three-story structure. Just one example, when I'm taking especially females through the building, I tell them we are really innovative. We actually put a women's restroom on every floor in this building. Oh, and I, I, I was almost...
almost embarrassing. We were in a two-story structure. And in 1970, they said, well, you don't have that many women in engineering. You don't do it that way anymore. And that was one interesting side note. We totally upgraded, but not just to have a women's restroom on every floor, but, but the facility is so welcoming to student projects. That was kind of a priority. Yeah, very good. Thank you for that, Tom. I I know that there's more innovation to it than that, but that's a amusing anecdote <laughs> to say the least. That yeah, from the 1970s to now, that's a pretty serious change in the the demographics of the engineering workforce. You know, so the, the um, old building just had narrow hallways. There were no wide open spaces at all, and that is probably the biggest noticeable change when you walk in the atrium of this building it's just wide open space all the way to the third floor you just feel ready to work ready to learn in this space compared to you're not compressed into tight spaces you're anything's welcome in a big open space right (laughs) we have a baja team it's like, like a dune buggy. Yeah, I, like the trophy truck, Baja. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking my language now. There you go. There you go. So students design one and build one every year, and we send them to races all around the country. And they're in California, and they're in Louisville, and they're in Georgia, and you name it. And in the old building, they had a space where they could work on their car. But this is no kidding. If they wanted to take it outside the building, they had to jack it up and take the wheels off. And then six of them would pick it up and lug it down the hallway, around the corner, to the loading dock, jack it up, put the wheels back on, put a ramp down from a five-foot loading dock, and finally take the car outside. And in this room, we've got garage doors everywhere, and I can have that car from the work area into the parking lot faster than I can describe to you how we get it there. (laughs) It is just so, so open and so accessible to projects of that nature and and many others. Tom, I'm excited about that. I have to get with Paul and see if I can get some pictures of your Baja project, because that's something that excites me. But that's probably a story for another day. But Paul, I know at BHDP, we have a design process that we like to apply to our projects. Talk a little bit about when you approached ONU and went through the design process, what kind of things did you discover from what they were initially requesting to where we are today? Yeah, Brian, that's actually a great story because I think when I first sat down with the dean at that time for our first meeting, he showed me a a concept that a previous architect had done, and they had identified two key challenges with the building. The first was people could not find it when they were on campus. So people would be standing out on the quad calling, saying, where's the engineering building? That seems kind of important. The engineering building would be looking out the windows, waving, saying, we're right here. It didn't have an identity or a sense of a place for an entrance. And then the other was, as Tom mentioned, there was a lack of project space. So they had planned to put an addition on the front for a lobby and an addition on the back for a large project bay. And that was the solution. So as we started to ask questions and really kind of peel back the, the layers of the onion, if you will, what we learned was there was a vision that was grander than that. There was a vision to have this welcoming building that was highly collaborative, that had project space everywhere, that had transparency and views, that kept the students and the faculty very close to each other. I think probably Tom would agree that probably the most redeeming value of the the previous building was the fact that the faculty offices were all down the main hallway and they had an open door policy where faculty were there, they would have the door open and the students loved it because they could walk in, engage, get help. And they built these wonderful relationships through that. But as we started to go through the design process, we realized that existing building was never really going to meet the vision. 
So that set us on the process of what could a new building be and, and how could that achieve all these goals and exceed really the expectations of students, faculty, and staff and leadership. Very good, yeah. It is important to start with that vision where you understand what the needs are, what's the goal, and then what's the right solution. Did you guys have any kind of scorecard to weigh out that decision? Like what helped with the decision-making process? So we ran leadership through a visioning session and, and crafted that vision for the facility. We then used that to engage faculty and staff and students and really helped them craft the definitions or the the criteria behind that vision to help make sure that we understood what it looked like for everyone involved. Uh, and then that became that guiding light for the project that helped us make design decisions, whether it was, you know, what does welcoming mean? How, how do we know when the building's welcoming? How do we know that it's driving collaboration? How do we define flexibility? And I think now we're seeing those definitions come to life, right, as people occupy the building. So, Brian, one thing that, that I just really appreciated that BHDP did was that they held focus group meetings with students and said, what's, what's important to you? And students, students are very willing to offer their, their thoughts. And, and honestly, we heard four things over and over. And one was they, they said, we want workspace for our projects. And they said, we want spaces to study, just study areas in the building. And they said, we want technology. And they said, we like natural light. So in the old building, there was actually one classroom with zero windows in it. We just teaching in a cave. If a person just walks in off the street and you were to say, what did you see? They would say, wow, I saw workspace for, for students. I saw great places to study, natural light and technology. You can't turn your head without seeing a, a monitor that's wireless that you can take off of your cell phone and pop it up on that monitor just in a heartbeat. That's impressive. Tom, is your background, is your background engineering? Yes, sir. I'm a civil engineer. And actually, this is just year number 13 for me at Ohio Northern. I was a public works director for the city of Pickle for 23 years, and I've been building buildings and projects for, for a long time. So as an engineer, there's a common joke between the architects and engineers that there's a little friction sometimes. Was it an unusual process for you? Like, what are all these warm, fuzzy questions? Or how easy was it to adapt to some of the bringing students in and knowing what people feel and want and things like that? Yeah. There, and I'm teasing a, a little, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> there, uh, always engineers are always, we roll our eyes occasionally when the, <laughs> when the architects tell us how the building's going to feel. We don't really worry about how it's going to feel, but how's it going to work? We powered through that, Brian, and it was a great relationship. Yeah, and we tell students, you know, we, we talk about collaboration all the time, and it, it takes different people and different backgrounds to make a project come together. And it's really encouraging to see how that all how that all works. Sure. So what was it like engaging with those students, Paul? Tom talked a little bit about getting that input in focus groups. What were those focus groups like? Like, how did you solicit that input from students? There were a couple things that we used. We actually did an online survey of students that was a web-based format. That was early in the process to help understand their views on the building design, some key kind of drivers, you know, understand the vision, and really also study a little bit about the existing building and why they behaved in the building the way they did. You know, when they were there and they hung out, where were they hanging out and why? We also did some focus groups, as Tom mentioned, to question and get a little more feedback in, in smaller groups. 
We did some open sessions, I remember, that were great, Tom, that were in the evening where we brought in pizza and set up the design boards and, and really had an open forum where students could come around and, and really engage with us and ask questions and kind of poke at things and offer their insight, which was great. And one of my favorite stories, Brian, was there was a, a group, a student group there. I think they called themselves ION, Tom, if I remember right. On the weekends, they were taking existing spaces in the building and they mocked up like a student collaboration hub space and they brought in furniture and they they painted it and they put marker boards and technology in and when you look back it really became almost this mock-up or beta test for some of the concepts that worked themselves into the new building and so they were truly part of the design process and part of the success of the spaces they're now enjoying which is an awesome story that is an awesome story because you see how they would prefer to work and get the job done if they set it up themselves. It's like maybe there's an exercise in there for the future to show up with a bunch of materials and throw them in the room and say, all right, set up. What, what should it look like? What's the ION team, Tom? Yes, they're called Innovators at Ohio Northern, and it's a group of students. Uh, they're supported by or a member of the Keen, which is the Kern Engineering Entrepreneurship Network, and they wow. travel around the country and meet with students from other schools, and they simply work at being innovative. Boy, putting together a new building like this, there was that was just a no-brainer to, to turn them loose on this project. That's interesting. You know, I'm a fan of the Far Side cartoons. I don't know if you know what they are by Gary Larson, <laughs> but there was a famous one where they had built this wonky rocket and these three guys in lab coats said, well, I guess we really aren't rocket scientists, you know, and it was crooked and the fins were on it weird. Well, a group of engineers actually got together and built a model of it and it flew. And the lesson of the story was it's better to build a bad rocket than to talk about what a good rocket should be like. Right. So it sounds like your innovators are very hands-on. There you go. And, yep. and that was what was needed in that program. You know what? Let's just try it, even if it's a bad rocket. So what makes ONU's program unique, the engineering program, and how is the building a reflection of that program, Tom? Ohio Northern is a small school, and it has that small liberal arts flavor. When you step on campus and look around and you know your profs and you know, of course, your, your classmates, and you, you're not just a number, you're not just a football player, you're not just an engineer, you engage in whatever, whatever your passion is, you, you can incorporate all of that. And so there are a lot of schools in Ohio that kind of have that size and flavor, but they don't have engineering programs. And very few, especially to have a full-blown engineering program that's been around for, since, since 1880 and just as established as can be. And many of our students are here because they want that combination. I want this small school feel, and I want a full-blown first-class engineering program. And that was the purpose of the design of the building. Paul used the word welcoming a little bit ago. And yeah, that's one of those architectural words in design, right? But to tell you the truth, that is is really what this what this building is. And for students to be able to embrace those opportunities to engage. He he mentioned the room that Ion built and, and he's right. We we gave them we took all the desks out of a classroom and and said here's a paintbrush and they bought a couple couches and and honestly, took it over for the summer. And while it's nothing compared to what we've got here, there are some components that were in that space that we have used. And this building has a huge 
student lounge on each of the three floors and there's a collaboration space and the refrigerator and microwave and sink and it's surrounded by huddle rooms where you can get away by yourself or just two or three of you and close the door technology and whiteboards and every every one of those and the building captured exactly what what our brand is with this ability to just be a part of it not just to walk in and go to class, but to go to class and then head for one of these lounges and eat lunch or relax or study. It's amazing how that was a intentional goal and it came together. It's so fun for me to walk around the building and observe things happening and, and to remember one of those design meetings and say, here's, here's what we're shooting for and to look at, wow, it really came together. Yeah, that's great, Tom. You know, it, it's interesting that one of the things was about creating uh, the ability to collaborate. And you mentioned huddle rooms, and it's the science behind collaboration is we just assume that it's throwing everybody in the room together. But really, when you break collaboration down, there's that need for individual focus, too. You know, we can be working on the same project, but every now and then I got to go secret squirrel on this part and then come back to the group with what I've come up with. You know, and some of the big ideas come from having that time alone quiet so you've incorporated both of those spaces to so this build on that. that that concept perfectly Brian. that's great so tell us a little bit about the building and when did it open and then what's the reaction been from students now that you've been able to occupy it a little bit so the new building which is about 110,000 square feet brian three-story building opened fall of 19 right tom that's correct to welcome that class coming in and that fall and indications even though we've been through a, a pandemic here this year and, and not everything has been able to be used as, as much as we'd like it had by now, the indications are very good from a student feedback, faculty feedback we're hearing and the times that we have been able to be on campus just to sit back and watch students interact and work in this building and it really see all that activity going on is, I think, a huge benefit to the program. Yeah, the, the building, um, we, we got our occupancy permit from the state on August 20, and classes started on August 26, and we were scrambling like crazy to get up and running yep. to be ready. And the response, I'm just amazed. People love to walk in this building and look around, and I tell them it takes more than a nice building to teach engineering, but boy, it's a great start. And our enrollment numbers have been up. I don't know if that's attributed just to the building or who, who knows where, where all that comes from. But quite frankly, people show up and look at this building and say, I want to I go to school here. I had a dad this summer visit the building with his son, who's a senior in high school. Dad graduated from Ohio Northern in engineering. We started walking around the building and the dad kind of got a grin on his face. And he said, that's it. He said, you're not going here. I didn't get to learn in this building, so you don't get to either. I said, wait, wait, let, let's, let's <laughs> yeah. go there. And he, he laughed. But you can't walk around it without saying this is, this is just an, an impressive structure. Even the placement on campus, the old engineering building, yeah, that was 50,000 square feet. This is more than double, 110. And it was farther kind of on the, on the end of the academic section of the campus. And we, we are just almost centered and, and featured where we are right now as well. There's a lot of pride in the building. I understand you've been using it as a recruiting tool. Is that just this morning, the track coach popped into my office and he said, hey, hope you don't mind. We're, we're showing some potential track students through the building. I said, are they engineers? He goes, no, I just like to show them this building. <laughs> 
<laughs> I said, bring it on, coach. But with, with engineering students, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to be honest. In the old building, I didn't really like giving tours. It just there just wasn't that much to see. Let's walk down this dark hallway so we can get to another dark hallway in, in a room without any windows. And I, I, I love giving tours through the building. It's just people love to see it and, and understand that it, it really accommodates teaching engineering and where we are today and well into the future. Very cool. You know, Tom, that's a great point. I, I remember back to the, the discussions and the process, and it was amazing to me the great things that were happening in the building, even though it didn't help enable yeah. certain yeah. activities, right? And, and I remember walking away going, wow, I mean, they are doing amazing things in this program and on this campus, and the building's holding them back. So imagine what they could do if the building would actually support and enable some of these things to happen. And you talked about the dark hallways. You know, I just remember there was kind of this issue, you know, you didn't know all the great work going on because it was behind closed doors and solid walls. And you'd kind of open a door to a lab and go, that's a Baja or that's a concrete canoe or that's a, a drone someone's building, right? And you had no idea until you opened the doors, you know, what's behind door number three. So now all that's on display, right? And and I think people see that, whether it's an existing student or someone you're touring through the building, you just have this immense view on everything that's happening at all times. You know, a great example of that is, is the maker space. And we spent a lot of time putting together exactly what we wanted. And that, Brian, is a room that has 3D printers. It has laser cutters. It has laser scanners. It's just kind of a high-tech lab and we had some of that equipment at some level in the old building but here it's all together and the entire wall is all glass and it has such great exposure people on the outside see exactly what's going on inside and people inside can see throughout the rest of the building and without having to open a door to see the Baja to see the makerspace to see the freshman engineering complex is really a great feature of this building. Have you seen a change in the students' behavior since the new building? So you talk about, you know, being able to display. Have you seen a difference in the engineers as they're using the space, Tom? So the, absolutely. And I, I think the most poignant would be just the time they spend in the building. There was really no reason to be in the engineering building formerly unless you were sitting in a class. And in this building, we lock it at seven o'clock at night, but every engineering student, their ID will get them, swipe them in 24 hours a day. And, and they're here 24 hours a day. And they love the collaboration spaces and the study spaces and even the labs. So we've got a machine shop and you, there must be a supervisor in there when students go in there and we staff it until eight o'clock at night. But the rest of the building, you can't just get in the building. You can get in your lab. You can work on your project and the accessibility and the interest in just spending time here is probably the most visible change in student behavior that I, I've observed. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Now, Paul, this is a question because one of the things that you said before, you mentioned flexibility in the design. Tom was talking about increased enrollment. So how did you design the building to prepare for the future, like responding to growth or maybe new programs, because engineering is constantly adapting and growing because there's new technologies coming out. You were talking about, you know, wireless video displays that you can just throw your phone up on if you need to, or, you know, the unforeseen needs, the what's going to happen next. Uh, how did you design that flexibility into the space? One of the things we had to help 
Oh, when you figure out is what does a building for 600 students look like versus the, I think 450 was around where you were when we started designing this, right? So we knew a lot would change. We knew more students would come. So there's a couple things there. Number one, we knew there'd be some new programs and one of them was possibility of maybe chemical engineering in the future. It's not a current program, but we designed labs that were the right size, had the basic pieces there, capabilities that they could be converted to chemistry labs in the future if chemical engineering became a program and we needed to adapt. All the classrooms and labs were designed on a module, meaning uh, they're flexible. They could change their purpose without moving walls with the anticipation that some classrooms may become labs in the future or vice versa. So you have that flexibility. When you think about the making spaces, it was all about how do you accommodate creating, making anything, right? So the Tom mentioned the garage type space we have where the, the large things like the Baja are made. It's very flexible. There's utilities that come down from the ceiling. It's an open floor plan with very few fixed items, just so that we have that ability to reconfigure and move things around as, as students need to in the future. Yeah, Paul, that's really great because it sounds like the infrastructure is the component that's the most important in the space. Like the hard walls are one thing, but the the things that can be supported within those walls and being able to switch from one thing to the other, you really have to think about that before the walls go up. So Brian, we, we spoke to folks who had had other experiences or I even have had in my past where you move into a building and basically it's it's, it's obsolete the second day you're there, or at least it's it's filled up and, and we had a couple of classrooms. I've still got two classrooms that we, we haven't used yet because we're, we're ready for expansion. We haven't filled up every professor's office. I could hire a couple of new professors and have a space for them right now without juggling or working. And the flexibility, what Paul, every, every table in the building's on wheels, right? They're heavy duty, but they're lightweight. If I like to teach in a traditional lecture style, fine, or in a heartbeat, I can have a U-shaped or teaching in the round or you, you, you name it. That too was an intentional design feature and boy, it really came to fruition. The classrooms are so versatile. Different professors have different styles and different needs and this building accommodates that. That's really great. Thanks for that, Tom. One last question that I had, if there's any other stories you want to share, feel free to pipe up. Were there any other interesting things that happened or any big aha moments during this process that were really exciting for you? I don't know, Paul, do you want to take that one first? Sure. You know, I think one of the things that we realized early on, Brian, was there could have been this uh, kind of predictable solution of organize the building by the departments. And as we really got to know Ohio Northern, and we, we talked about the vision and the goals for this, we saw that there were a lot of things that, reasons why that wouldn't be a good idea, right? To create these silos in the building. And, and therefore the, the concept became, how do you organize the building more about the activities of those within it versus maybe the discipline that they're associated with? So therefore starting to really drive integration, collaboration, in the building by how we arrange activities. So all the faculty offices were grouped together and intermingled with their own collaboration space and, and workspace. The labs were grouped, the making spaces were grouped. Instead of by discipline and keeping, for instance, mechanical engineering and electrical separate, they're next to each other, they're fully integrated. So we're therefore starting to really set up those ideas of interdisciplinary collaboration 
which we know the students will go to work that way uh, after they leave campus, right? Very true, yeah. So for me, Brian, we, we have an event each year that we host. It's called Teams Competition. It's for high schools, and they bring in teams of eight students who take a math test, but they take it as a team. You, you work together and give one student a couple problems, another student another couple, or however they want to do. And then there's also a, a building project at the end of it where they have to bring materials but don't know what they're going to build. And without belaboring all that, we've been hosting it for over 30 years, and we always have to use the field house, and we just set up tables, and we put 500 high school students in there. And last year, I said, there's no way that I can have 500 high school students on this campus without them at least seeing the building. And I first, first off, it was, well, let's do it in the field house like we always do, and then when they go to lunch, we'll take a bus and unload them on one end of the engineering building so they at least have to walk through the atrium to get to the cafeteria for lunch. And but no, that, that wasn't it. And in fact, we built a, a multi-purpose room with folding doors across the back that spills out into the atrium. And it's, uh, this is so much easier to envision if you look at it. And I won't, but we ended up putting tables in that space. We put tables throughout the atrium. We, used, we could go up on the second floor. Everything, everyone can see everyone else. And we held a, an all-day event with 500 high school students in this building. We couldn't have begun to even wish we could do that in the old building. And, and it was such a great way to display what we have and talk about flexibility. That's, that's not what this space was designed for, but it was way better than doing it in, in the field house after we really thought about the logistics of putting it together. You said an aha moment. I just remember looking around that day thinking, wow, who, who knew we could do something like this in this building? We knew we could teach class with 30 students taking thermodynamics, but we can do so much more with it. Wow, that's a great story, Tom, because that that would be the flexibility for unforeseen needs. You know, something you didn't think you could do. Hey, let's try it. Yeah. Sounds like you had your innovation, your ION team on that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> so true. That's great. Any last words from either of you? I just appreciate it. We had, we had a great a great relationship with the architect and with the contractor. And this university is amazing to me, the way people graduated from Ohio Northern love Ohio Northern, and they so embraced the project and assisted. Of course, they sent us money. That's how you build $30 million buildings on college campuses, but in, in so many ways. The collaboration, we talk about collaboration in the building, but to step back and say, look at the collaboration in the, the overall project itself, it's, it's, it's really been a treat for me to be a part of. Thanks for that, Tom. Paul? You look at projects in your career, and, and I mentioned it was a 11 and a half, 12, you know, 12 year process, but the ones that you look at back at the process and the people involved and just how everything went right. Everything worked the way it needed to work in a process, the, that constant collaboration, but also the challenging was there, you know, kind of the push and pull that at the end of the day made the project better. And you, you look at that investment of time and, and now you look at the impact it's having on students and you say, wow, it was all worth it. We know that this is gonna change the education of many engineers out there. And for us as architects, that's awesome because they're probably going to be some of these students will be our colleagues sometime collaborating on a project in the future, right? Um, yeah. We'll be sitting across a conference room table with them trying to solve problems and help our clients. 
that'd be a really fun moment to say, oh, where'd you go to school? And then they say, oh, yeah, we designed that building. And then, you know, talk about a team building moment right there. So Paul Orban, Tom Zekman, thank you both for your time. Thank you for joining Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP for this episode, Ohio Northern University, Engineering a Vision for Design, with Tom Zekman, Assistant Dean at Ohio Northern University's T.J. Small College of Engineering, and Paul Orban, Higher Education Market Leader at BHDP. If you appreciate what you have heard, please rate, subscribe, and give us a review. I'm your host, Brian Trainer, and I hope you'll join us for another episode of Trends and Tensions to see what topics drive design.